I don't think success is how much money you could accumulate in your lifetime because that means nothing. At the end of the day, are you satisfied with how you lived your life? Are your family and your friends think of you in a way that is satisfying to them? And, and so it's important to know that. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Halbert Hargrove, an advisory firm that believes in the fearless pursuit of well-lived days and tomorrows. For 85 years, their advisors have worked to help clients reach their financial goals. And as fiduciaries, they act in the best interest of their clients at all times. For help with your well-lived life, visit halberthargrove.com. I am very excited to have two of my colleagues and friends on the Breaking Money Silence podcast today. We are talking about well-lived lives, and our guests today are Gina and Yusuf Abudi. They're partners in Abudi Consulting. They both have over 20 years experience working with organizations of all sizes and providing expertise around projects, processes, and people. In addition to that, uh, Gina does some workshops and training and is a college professor, and the list goes on and on. And Yusuf has certainly an integral part of the firm as well and um, works on some research as well. So today, I just want to welcome you two to the podcast and be in full disclosure that you're also good friends of mine. So welcome. Thank you very much, Thank you. We're we're glad to be here. Yeah, I, I guess it's okay to have your good friends on so we can break money silence uh, when we're not drinking wine on Zoom yes. or uh, connecting in another in another place. So why don't we just start by talking about what a well-lived life is and how you would define a well-lived life or how you would define a wealthy life. And why don't we start with you, Gina? Tell me a little bit about kind of what your definition is. Uh, for me, I think a well-lived life is is taking the time to do what we enjoy doing, and and not holding off on on doing things until you know later on because it might be a better time to do it, and and then also doing well enough to really support those causes that matter to us that are important to us. And how about you, uh, Yusuf? Is it any different? No, I, I mean, I agree with Gina on that. I mean, for me, a well-lived life is when I'm mel- mentally satisfied. I think uh, I, um, I'm a very curious person, so I always like to satisfy that curiosity. And a lot of times in satisfying that curiosity is doing some experimentation. And if I wake up in the morning with no regrets and look back at my life and say, I think I accomplished all I could accomplish uh, and satisfied with that, that'll be a well-lived life. For me. 
Awesome. So what is interesting is Gina kind of alluded to philanthropy, yeah. uh, but I didn't hear either one of you say it's a certain dollar amount or it's accumulating a certain amount of wealth. Um, yeah. It's, I don't think it is. Well, it's, I, for me, it's a, you know, I don't think I have a certain dollar amount in mind, which then I wonder, maybe I should, but I want to be able to retire one day and, and I don't have to be a, you know, millions and millions of dollars to do that and be comfortable. And I also want to make sure that when I decide that it's time to stop working, when we, we mm -hmm. decide it's time to stop working, that we can continue with the causes that are important to us and also do a little bit of traveling and enjoy yeah, ourselves. I, I mean, uh, w when you mentioned dollar amount, it's, uh, it's funny because uh, it's dollar amount is relative to the person that is viewing it. And from my perspective, you could make billions of dollars or you could make thousands of dollars and still have the same satisfaction or dissatisfaction within your life. One of the things that is very important to us is the philanthropy work. And we do that both financially supported as well as through work. And that's what we will be doing in our retirement is work with those uh, philanthropic uh, projects. The amount of money necessary obviously comes into play and it's important. And this is one of the reasons we work very hard in order to accumulate enough wealth to be able to be satisfied to continue with that work uh, later on and still live comfortably somewhat. Yeah. And so let me have you shout out some of the causes that you believe in, because I know that is a big part of your definition of a well-lived life. And you too are, I can say... Uh, hands down, the hardest workers I know. So you are very focused career-wise right now. So Gina, what do you think? What are what are the causes that you want to support? And I'm sure they're similar, but Yusuf, if there's a, any others, throw them out there as well. Oh yeah, there. I'll start with with mine, and then I'll I'll have Yusuf. Well, they're both of ours, but I'll start with um, the Toys for Tots are is very important to me. Um, as as well as anything animal related um, <laughs> is is a big one for me. And then use of the other ones we do. Yeah, I mean, uh, being a Palestinian refugee, I have a lot of causes with supporting uh, refugees who have been in refugee camps multiple generations in the Middle East. And the causes we do is mostly focused around projects in order to empower uh, especially women and young people to create economic zones uh, through urban farming, education, healthcare, and, and what have you. So these are things that we focus on quite significantly. And so we'll put some of the links of your favorite uh, causes in the show notes. So if anybody wants to check out those causes, donate to the causes, they certainly could do that. But I want to follow up with you, Yusuf, in talking about being a refugee. So tell me a little bit about how you think being born and raised the way you were uh, in your childhood through teen years impacted how you think of a well-lived life. Um, yeah, from a refugee perspective, that's a funny thing, right? <laughs> <What is it? laughs> you know, I grew up, I, I was born in Jerusalem, and we grew up in the West Bank. And what had happened is, um, you know, at some point, uh, my father went to Kuwait because we basically peasants, and we grew up in a small village. Uh, our house did not have running water, electricity, and even a bathroom. The bathroom was an outhouse. So we did not know much about wealth or lack thereof 
of wealth because our life was our life. And as a kid, you grow up not knowing that you are poor. But when we did move to Kuwait and Israel invaded, uh, we got dispossessed with whatever little property we had. So we had no ownership of any property because in Kuwait, as a Palestinian, you're still an outsider, an immigrant, and you're not accepted into the society as a permanent resident or citizen. So, and you didn't have uh, the option of ownership of property. So we're always transient in that perspective. But one of the biggest influences on my thinking of what wealth is, uh, when we finally became middle class, I was 14 years old and got my first job in this company uh, where I was doing inventory control in a warehouse. And I came across this warehouse keeper who's a 42-year-old immigrant from Iran, and he was illiterate. He lived away from his family and children for 11 months out of the year, and he knew every item in that warehouse, where it's located, the number of products there are, and uh, he was a brilliant character. But what I discovered as a 14-year-old, I was making more money than he was. And that had a profound impact on understanding wealth from you know, a 14-year-old kid, even though I made only like $180 a, a month, he made less than that. And I didn't need it because my parents uh, were supporting me at that time. So. so it must be challenging living here in the United States and seeing people complain about not having enough, given your background. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, I've been here long enough to also fall into that lull every now and then. And I just have to pinch myself in order to get because when you're engrossed within your own environment, you forget about the outside. And uh, this is one of the things that, you know, we always, Gina and I do all the time is uh, we always try to educate ourselves about everything out there. And uh, that's why I call myself, I'm a curious person, so I have to satisfy my curiosity. Well, I love that curiosity, because sometimes when I have a question, I can just call up Yusuf and say, have you been curious about this? Because I would love an answer. (laughs) So Gina, as Yusuf's wife, tell me, and, and business partner, tell me a little bit about how you think the way he was raised impacts his relationship with wealth or even the wealth conversations that you have. Um, uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I tend to be not that he's not at all, but I think I tend to be more concerned about, you know, as he looks to do the work he does with Palestine, I'm always going back to, did you put money in retirement this month? Is there money in retirement this month? So I go very much back to that. And, and Yusef, I don't know a, a better way of saying it, but he is why I'm more focused on us, right? And then also the causes. Yusuf probably puts as a, a, a priority the causes he, he supports. Uh, and I think that's because he knows what it's like to live in those camps. Uh, he knows what these people do and, and what they've experienced. And I frankly learned about it when Yusuf and I got together. So I think that's sort of a, a difference that I see. Yeah, it strikes a balance, her and I, because uh, she's right. I would spend every penny I have, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it, and it doesn't serve the causes I care about 
much if I do this because at the end of the day, if I have no money to do what I can do, then in the future, we wouldn't be able to do these projects. We wouldn't be able to support these causes. And uh, granted, if we don't spend any of the money that we have on any of those causes, we would have probably retired by now. But again, it's a matter of the benefit that you give to another family or another person outweighs that because, I mean, it's similar to when financial planners tell you that if you win the lottery, take the whole amount right now as opposed to uh, piecemeal it throughout the years. Uh, because if you have the money right now, you could support it. You, you'll ultimately make more money later on. Same thing with causes. If you don't give to those causes right now, these people, these children, these families are going to suffer greatly under that pressure of uh, poverty and oppression. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really touching because often we talk about on this show things, you know, about philanthropy and causes and identifying your values, but to actually have lived an experience that you've lived and then to be able to give back must be very satisfying. And I can understand not on a personal level, but more on a professional level, how there'd be this drive. How do you balance having the life you want to enjoy today with what you're going to need in the future? At Halbert Hargrove, we've spent decades working with our clients to help them build well-lived todays and tomorrows through financial services that align to their real life goals. We believe a well-lived life is about more than money. It's about what you want for your family, the causes that you support, your lifestyle now and later. Check us out online at halberthargrove.com and schedule a call with a Halbert Hargrove advisor today. And so when you talk about balancing each other out, Gina, in terms of you kind of worrying about retirement in the next phase and, and Yusuf being generous and curious and uh, giving to these causes, I'm wondering how does that play out in business? Because I don't want to ignore the fact that not only are you romantic partners, you own a business together and part of business is charging asking for money, uh, and managing the finances. So Gina, I'll, I'll let you start. Uh, how does that work for you two? Well, it, you know, I, I recently, I would say, maybe about six months ago, it started to work a little bit better as it relates to sort of the, the financial side of it, in that Yousef is is much more focused on or attuned to the value that we bring to clients. So I have traditionally in the, pl- in the past, prob- I was going to say probably, but truly, <laughs> not, not just truly, yes, I have underpriced. Yes, you uh, have, my friend. Yes, I know what I bring. And I have, re- and I'm getting much better on doing it, but uh, I've, I've learned uh, over the years that if I give it to Yousef and say, this is what the work effort is. Whatever price he comes up with, I no longer say, oh, my God, the client's going to balk at this because they don't balk at it. And I'm, 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 I've learned from him about really seeing that value. But I, that that used to be a disagreement between us that we've we have resolved. And Kathleen, to end, I mean, uh, to the point that right now when I give her pricing, goes, oh, that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's hope for everybody in uh, negotiating. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, in regards to business, this is the most contentious point we've had throughout the years. I mean, she's been partners with me since 2011. Yeah. And I think uh, there's the, uh, you know, 
when you first start off in a business, you're always wanting to drive a business through and you worry about if you outprice yourself, you're not going to get the contract. So I think uh, balancing that with, you know, analyzing exactly, because if you break things, everything down to an hour and a day uh, charge, and then estimate on your projects, on the contracts, how long that's be, it'll get you the final number. It may be overpriced, but that would be a starting point for negotiation. I think we've learned to accept that about both of us, uh, you know, I will come up with what I come up with. She will let me know if this is beyond uh, the client's capacity. And we try to work on the scope of the project to ensure that we get within what is acceptable to all sides. Well, I have said to Gina jokingly a couple of times that I would love to have a Yusuf in my business. So (laughs) someone to do the numbers on that uh, level would be awesome. I I want to just circle back quickly, Gina, to you. When you talk about your tendency to undercharge and that, you know, no longer, you're no longer doing that with the help of Yusuf and obviously your own professional growth. Where do you think that came from for you? Because we talked a little bit about where Yusuf's uh, definition of a well-lived life comes from, but where do you think it comes from that you're supposed to not charge too much? You know, I, I, I don't know if it's a, it's a matter of I'm not supposed to charge too much, but I think it's more of a, of a matter of I did not grow up with education or an understanding around money. We grew up having very little money. My mother raised three of us and she struggled and I think as I got older, I noticed that struggle. Uh, sometimes she barely could put, you know, more than cereal and milk in front of us. So why other people kind of grow up and they have money smarts, I had none of that. And I think that's impacted how I think about money and, and not really putting as, as much of a value on what I bring as I could. Interesting. So you both, I mean, very different experiences, but both have seen parents not having enough mm-hmm. to take care of kids and playing out in, in kind of different, very different ways. But uh, I love the fact that you're balancing each other. I mean, that obviously makes you a good romantic partners. It makes you good business partners. I am curious, you're entrepreneurial. Did you ever think that, you know, working for a company was part of your well-lived life? Or have you always known, no, we want to own a firm. That's really part of what makes us satisfied. Mm-hmm in our lives. I I think for me, Yusef will probably say it's always owning his own business. Um, He doesn't play the the politics well in business. For me, I would have told you long before we, before, you know, I I joined the business that Yusef founded and we became a woman-owned business. I would have told you that my well-lived life is climbing the corporate ladder in a large organization. And that's what I was very focused on. And then, frankly, this came about due to, for lack of something better, a hiccup, as I like to call it, in my career path that was purely my fault, um, that impacted us financially. And Yusuf said, you know, you have strong ideas on what's good in business and what's not. So why don't you just take over a booty consulting company and let's restructure what we do and you lead it. And that's how that really came about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. I didn't realize that. That's interesting to me. So really, it wasn't like from a very early age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So that's always been kind of my vision. But it sounds like for you, it was it was an opportunity and it it, that you took and Yusuf invited you to, but also changed 
what you think a well-lived life is going to look like and what it does look like. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, for me, I know, I, you know, you ask about uh, was this a plan or not. I never have any plans, so I just live uh, <laughs> day in day out and reevaluate my thinking of life in general and adjust accordingly. Going back to the whole concept of curiosity, I think that in a corporate environment, there's a highly structured environment and hierarchy, and I've never been good with hierarchy, and I thought that. Talent should be explored across all levels at any moment. And uh, with that sort of uh, structured hierarchy, it's very difficult. And, and going back to the curiosity, I like to be curious and explore different options in business, in life. And uh, in a structured environment, that sometimes quashes any opportunity to flourish with those talents. And between Gina and I, the talents that we bring to the table... Uh, keep expanding, and uh, we wouldn't have those opportunities in a corporate structure to showcase those and flourish with them. Yeah, I like that. So I talk about curiosity a lot in the work that I do around breaking money silence and and engaging in conversations. And instead of being really structured, which is what people want from financial folks, right? Instead of just the structure, really exploring and being curious about your relationship with money. And so today I feel like, you know, the three of us as colleagues and friends have been kind of curious about what a well-lived life is like for two, uh, both of you, both individually as well as together. And, you know, time goes so fast. I can't believe we're to the end of the podcast, but I'm wondering, is there anything, and, and this is for each of you to answer, is there any piece of advice you want to leave the audience with, whether it's about a well-lived life or about something else we've discussed today? I, I would say um, I, I would leave as a piece of advice to, to do what you love and balance sort of saving for retirement and, and accumulating money with enjoying it too. I mean, I, I know of one friend of mine um, from New Jersey who kept saying, I have to save, I have to save, I have to save, and then I'll enjoy. And then her and her husband both became ill and they never did all the things they wanted to do. So we don't know what the future holds. So for me, you got to balance that accumulating with, with doing and enjoying. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think uh, I agree with Gina uh, on that. And But I think really define what well-lived life is for you and what it means to you. Don't look at others and what that means to them because too often the definition of success in a lot of people's mind is how much money you make. And I don't look at it that way. I don't think success is how much money you could accumulate in your lifetime because that means nothing. At the end of the day, are you satisfied with how you lived your life? Are your family and your friends think of you in a way that is satisfying to them? Uh, and, and so it's important to know that. Those are two pieces of sound advice. And I would think that, you know, part of my definition of a well-lived life for myself is having colleagues and friends like you two. So thank you so much for breaking money silence with me today. Uh, I just want you to give the listeners a chance to know about your work and about where they can find out more about what you do. And that's Gina's thing, not <laughs> mine. <laughs> this is true. So you can visit us on abootyconsulting.com and learn more about the work that we do. And you're also pretty active on LinkedIn as well. I am very active on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yes. 
Excellent. Well, again, we will put those links uh, in the show notes. And I feel like this is just scratch the surface. So this is beginning of Breaking Money Silence with you two. And thank you for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you. And you too. This episode is sponsored by Halbert Hargrove, an advisory firm that believes in the fearless pursuit of well-lived todays and tomorrows. For 85 years, their advisors have worked to help clients reach their financial goals. And as fiduciaries, they act in the best interest of their clients at all times. For help with your well-lived life, visit halberthargrove.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.